everybody and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. It's that time of the week where you tune into me and the other bloke that sits ably alongside me here, digitally of course, in this um, another lockdown 4.0. Rocket, welcome back to the podcast. How are you, mate? I'm very good, thank you. I'm very good. Oh, I've interrupted my music. What am I doing? not a Roscoe and Rocket episode without a little bit of uh, Def Leppard. The drummer only has one arm, by the way. And uh, and the Rocket tune, how are you, mate? You well? I, I'm good. I'm good. Again, apologies to the listeners that I'm, I'm not consistent with getting an episode out with you. Just the last, yeah, bit of work. No, bit apo- of just all this other stuff, it just gets in the way. Rocket man, no apologies needed because the My Love of Golf podcast rolls on, as you know. Uh, what what have we had? We've had the last week's episode with uh, Jamie Darling from the Lynx Diary. Now, hopefully you've listened to that. If you haven't, you should because the Lynx Diary is set to become another one of the great coffee table golf journals sitting alongside the likes of Caddy Magazine, uh, Golfer's Journal, McKellar Magazine, all with quality golf content, quality golf images, uh, all sitting there that you just want to keep. You know, you put it in your book rack there and you just pull it out on a rainy day and uh, and read some good stuff. And Lynx Diary is dedicated to Lynx Golf in Scotland, the unique stories, the wonderful stories and great images uh, that uh, are endless over there in Scotland. So Jamie Darling is one of the four guys over there and he was kind enough to join me on last week's episode. If you have listened, thank you. If you haven't, please do. Uh, what else? What else, Rocket? Yeah, so we missed each other for a week or so, but uh, plenty. Of, there's always something happening in golf to talk about. We might have to talk about some stuff that other people have talked about, but we'll have definitely our own spin on that. Absolutely. The US Open dream is still alive. Still alive. Still alive. Phil, 50. Can you believe it? I'm looking, around, I'm, I'm looking around here, Rocket. Sorry, the, the power's just gone funny here, but uh, we're still recording. Everything's still going, so there you go. Sorry See? about that. The power of Phil. Right? <laughs> just, just think about the energy in the room. The energy, the energy is electric with Phil, and he's interrupting the electromagnetic fields and the thermal energy fields in the universe. Well, That's what he's doing. It, as, soon as, he's doing. as soon as you said Phil, the light and the uh, other thing behind me went out. I might have overloaded uh-huh. it with a bit of heat. But, uh, yeah, no, you're right. Phil, lefty. Yeah. Uh, Spoiled my pick because uh, we had Magic Mike on for Magic Mike's Market and uh, the P- for the PJ picks, which he he come back at me and he said I, I sort of laughed that our picks weren't so successful. Uh, maybe I was more reflective of my picks. Not that I have that many. I think I get to pick Top Scott and maybe I pick Top Lefty and both of those people were the same ones. Top Lefty being Bobby McIntyre and Top Scott being Bobby McIntyre and. He was nowhere near Top Scott or Top top Lefty. My Magic Mike said that Abe Hanser was his pick, and he did uh, he did bounce back on that last uh, round with a low round, but it doesn't really matter anymore because the Top Lefty was the only lefty in the world, your favourite lefty, or the lefty that we've been talking about on this podcast since day dot as one of the all-time greats of the podcast. Phil, 
the man. <laughs> He's been a circus act for the last three years, chasing distance, you know, hitting bombs, you know, hellacious seeds, Philquan calves, you know, the, the coffee diet. He's just been an absolute circus act. And all I wanted him to do was actually just start to just play normal golf again. And it's all clicked and it clicked on and it just, it was like just the perfect scenario for him. And it was just a clinic. It was an absolute Phil Mickelson clinic. You know, he, he came out of the gates in the first round and everyone thought, Oh, you know, we're not sure about this. We've seen this one before. And he's backed it up and he's backed it up again. And he's got a two shot lead going into Sunday. And like it's the first time in a while I've been bouncing up real early, getting all excited, thinking, can he hold on? But the other thing is that, you know, he's playing in the final group with Brooks. Like, like I couldn't lose. I literally couldn't lose, you know, as much as I wanted Phil to win, like Brooks getting to number five as well. That would be just epic. But like, like Phil, like that middle part of his round, some of the shots he was hitting to those holes, like the shot he hit into 10, it was just, and then the putt he rolls in, it was just clutch. He was clutch. Clutch all week. The shot he hits into um, 17, shot he hits, second shot he hits into 18 was just, it was just classic Phil. And, you know, the, the him being able to lift the Wanamaker trophy, trophy, you think it's like 30 years from his first, first win, you know, when he won as an amateur in 91 to now. And, you know, he's a 50 year old man and he's won his sixth major and it's just epic. Oh, I think it's just like for, from a legacy standpoint, um, the stamp that he's put on on the golfing world. Um, oh, it's you know I can't be I can't be more excited. And then the fact that you know if he feels like he's found something, you know that winning the PGA gets him exemptions for the next five US Opens. So the dream's alive, and the courses that are that they're playing the US Opens at. Um, probably not so much Tory, but the next next three after that are just they're perfect Phil Mickelson tracks, absolute perfect Phil Mickelson tracks. So um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited. And even the thought of if he brings this into a Masters again, I don't know. It's it's like he's found something, and it's like there's this belief again, and maybe he's going to get rid of the circus act. Well. It's really interesting because uh, you say circus accent, uh, act and, you know, he has been a source of entertainment for us and, and one that we've enjoyed, you know, unlike someone who we'll talk about soon and, you know, not so much for me, but, you know, Bryson, you know, you certainly have a position on Bryson who has also been the provider of a lot of frivolities in terms of media. But Phil, I think he's done it differently and... You know, whether it was part of the plan, whether it was just the way that he went, I, I, I don't know. Only Phil will be able to sort of tell us. But one thing that I do know, and Jamie Glazer and I spoke about it on the Mental Mastery Golf podcast, is his mindset and, and what he's been working towards. And, you know, I think he sort of talked about it in a way that said, you know, you might think I've been mucking around, but there's been a, there's been a purpose and a plan behind this. And as I said on that podcast, you know, to watch someone who is 51 years old or about to turn 51 – you know, perform and beat some of the best golfers that we've seen in a long, long, long time, but, you know, the current crop of best golfers, of course, and hold on and do it. You know, if you're, you know, uh, 40, you know, 50 is the new 35 sort of thing, but if 
you're getting towards that age, which I am, um, you get a lot of inspiration and motivation from that because, you know, as I said on that podcast, I think my best goal is still ahead of me and, you know, I'm never going to be Phil Mickelson. Of course not. That's silly to think that. We've mentioned in the same breath, but to see someone like Phil compete and win and he's put the work in and get a result, there's no reason why. For whatever my result is, I can't do that, or you can't do that, or anyone that's you know getting on in 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 their years, you know, and they're not getting on, they're just growing old, getting older. You can still play top level golf. You can play your best golf. It's ahead of you. He's he's yeah. had injuries, he, and, and it's just I just found it very very um, motivating and inspiring to watch Phil come through all of that and get that win. And as you say, who knows? You know, his mindset seems to be. His mind game seems to be sharp as, you know, he knows what he's talking about. He knows when he's committed, when he's not committed, when he's in control, when he's not control. And and that's, it's proof that it takes a long time to sometimes learn that sort of behavior and how to control the emotions and the mind and the impact of the mind in your golf. At 50 years old, he just seems to be sort of nutting it now, you know, getting it squared away. Maybe for a second or third phase, who knows? I don't know what the right way to describe it, but he got the job done. His mind's in the right place, his heart's in the right place, and his game's in the right place. So, who knows? Yeah, and and um, you know the mental. You know, this is the thing I was trying to explore. Oh, as a colleague, we were when um, we I was interstate last week, and we we're talking about this, and they're asking me a lot about golf, and I talked a lot about the mental side of it, and it's. Um, I said, there's things I've learned in the last five years that I wish I had the resources or someone being able to give me that information when I was like 15, 16, 17, 18, because it could have had a massive material impact to how I played back then and maybe even improved the enjoyment I would have had in it because of just what I would have been able to tap into the mental aspect of the game. You know, it was kind of floated around a little bit, but it was just not talked about. And, you know, I think about even rounds that I play now, I know, and usually when I haven't played for a while and I come back and, and play first round, I can kind of get, and start hitting the ball okay. And all it comes down to is using my noggin and plotting my way around a course. And I can eke out a pretty good score, even if I haven't played for a couple of months. But it's all about, you know, using your brain. And I know that my rounds come undone because I'm trying to, I'm not thinking, I'm making silly mistakes, mental mistakes. And that's what it all comes down to, mental mistakes. And then it's just about, then that translates into execution. And Phil talked about it. It's like, yes, I'm 50. He said, um, he puts in the work and he goes, I know that I don't have the same athletic abilities that I had 20 years ago. He said, so that means I just have to work that a little harder. It's simple as that. And that, that it's not just the work. It's actually having the, the, the mental fortitude to actually go and apply yourself and, and put, put it in. So, so him, yes, there's the gimmick around the coffee, but the thing is though, that whole weight loss thing is really important because that was him being able to put himself in a position where he he's probably 15 kilos lighter. That means that's 15 kilos that he doesn't have to carry around a course. That means he doesn't get tired. That means he's able to stay fresh. Now I've heard um, one of the stories about, um, you know, one of the things he's doing now to try and build up his um, um, 
fitness level. So instead of him going and playing, um, you know, little nine holes here and 18 holes there, he's trying to like actually play legit 36 holes a day, like a couple of days a week to build up his, to try and almost like create his, create his fitness level for basically just walking around a golf course. Yeah. Simple well, stuff like that, right? It's like what he was doing with his overspeed, you know, and you overtrain yeah. and then you think, and then you feel like the the normal stuff is, is, is easier. I don't know, but all I know about the overtraining, I know I've talked about it being a gimmick and he's chasing bombs, but the thing is though, you know, he 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 took it to another level. He, he did make it fun and part of me thought, I, I kind of, I don't know if he's being serious or not and and maybe that's that's just, you know, the, the Phil coming out, trying to make a bit of a joke about certain things and have fun with stuff. Um, I did hear the... I haven't finished it yet, but the um, Bones Mackay interview um, on No Laying Up, and he talks about, you know, what Phil was like, you know, as a bit of a prankster as well. There's some fantastic stories. So it's just sort of par for the course, really. Um, but for me, like he's been, he's been probably my favourite. He's been my favourite player for a very, 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 very long time. And to see him win, like, like it just excites me. And if he can eke, eke out another few more years on this. And, and if it means he's just focusing on the majors and just sort of just picking and choosing his schedule, you know, I'd love to see him win another couple majors in his fifties. It would be just epic. He could and, be, you know, all he's doing is mirror, you know, he's got the match thing coming up. He's playing with Tom Brady, another man that's playing well beyond his years. And again, just applies himself and just has this mental aspect to him that is just, he's clearly tapped into something and he's extracting everything out of himself as a footballer. What I was going to say is that you mentioned Bones Mackay, obviously Phil's former caddy. Once again, not comparing my performance to Phil, no. But as someone's getting you know, towards Phil's age and trying to maintain a reasonable level of golf and trying to maintain and improve and maintain concentration over 18 holes of golf, Phil credited uh, his brother, uh, Tim, his caddy, for a lot of the success and really yep. pulling him into gear when when it got clutch time, um, helping him yeah, make After some- the shot on six, I think it was, he pulled him aside yep. and he said, if you're going to win this tournament, you, you have to hit committed shots. Yep. We're not going to hit any more uncommitted shots for the rest of this round. Like, basically just got into him. I was having the round of you know, recent times for me, which my form hasn't been great, but I was having a very solid round. There were some birdies, there were some fairways, there were some putts, there were some up and downs, you know, all the good things that I measure my, my golf with. And I got to the seventh on the south course and it was the second nine, so, you know, four holes to go. And oh, yeah. just And just brain fade and just brain yeah, fade. And man, then, but again, that hole, that hole just presents itself, right? It's a, it's a tease. Yeah. That's why it make, that's why it's probably one of the best short par fours on the planet because, it's basically it's it's it goes. You want to have a go mm. versus you know just play very good solid strategic golf. Try and give yourself a best chance to make a birdie, but make sure you walk away with a par. So what it made me think about was Phil and and his caddy and the value of a caddy and, and the impact of a caddy on someone like Phil winning. Yeah, you know, because that was a perfect situation where someone would I could imagine just pull pull you aside and say five iron just. 175 down there, and then you'll have 100, you know, your perfect 100. No, 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 no. Yeah, Ross has got to go at it with a, a three wood and, you know, cut it right and then try and carry the bunker with a draw <laughs> and walk yeah. off walk off with nothing and then be headless on the next. And as much as you, you know, listen to me on the Mental Mastery Golf uh, 
podcast and, you know, I'm putting the work in, it still happens and it takes a lot of time. So a caddy would be a great thing. That hole has, that hole has ripped me enough new ones. So it, it is purely for me. To, I'm trying to, I'm trying to pay attention to where the pin is when we walk down, say number two mm. or, and, um, so like which side is it on? And I'm like, okay, now where do I try and need to hit this? And it's like, it's an iron. Like, is it a two iron? Is it a four iron? And I'm trying to leave myself hundred, whatever it is. And then whatever, it's a full shot. And it's like, depending on where the pin is, is it a full shot? And I'm playing left of the flag because it's tucked in that right-hand corner and I'm just trying to leave myself an uphill putt. Or if it's in that left-hand side, am I going to try and have a bit of a shot at it? Mm. But again, if you, if you don't play a committed shot in there, the trouble lays around that green and short and long hmm. just burns you. Well, I didn't have a Tim uh, Mickelson there, but Phil did. Um, <laughs> his brother, it's an interesting situation with his brother on the bag. How long has uh, his brother been caddying for him? Uh, nearly five years. Yeah. It's great. Because he had, because you had bones, bones had, um, he's had a double, he had a double knee Rico. Um, and then I think he caddied for a little bit longer. And I think he went to, I think he had an opportunity. He did a couple of events where he did some on-course stuff. And I think he he just wanted to get away from the grind because he'd been caddying full-time for about 10 or so years before he got onto Phil's bag. So he's Larry Mize's caddy before Phil. Um, and... You know, you think about that. Are you going to be a, a, a looper for life or, you know, are you going to diversify into something else and make a career for yourself? So the opportunity presented itself and, you know, he brings some fabulous insights into any golf broadcast when he's on the on the ground. And and then it was um, – I don't know how, how it came about with Phil and Tim, but I think it was, you know, maybe Phil went to Tim and said, oh, you know, do you want to carry my bag? I think he carried for a couple of events and then – you know, Tim had a pretty good, pretty good gig. He was the head coach of Arizona State um, University um, golf team, and he was a coach of um, John Rahm. Actually, I'm thinking if he started to become John Rahm's manager uh, and then resign, I'm not sure about some of the machinations of that. Um, but that's why Rahm's quite close to the Mickelson family. Um, but yeah, he, you know, having. You know, again, another one of those stories, having your little brother on the bag is, is quite special. Um, and then Bones just, he'll just pick up pick up people's bags from time to time just for, for giggles, I think. Yeah. No, it's great. Well, obviously it was a week or so ago and there's been every golf media podcast in the world talked about it, but uh, we were never going to get back online and not talk about it. So there you have it. We're still enamoured with uh, Phil. He's always been our guy, always will be. More so your guy, Rocket, but... Um, yeah, well, Corey Pines is only a couple of weeks, right? So, yeah. you know, it's going to be thick, rough. It may not may not suit him, but if it, if it doesn't rain and if the course plays firm, um, you know, San Diego, hometown, hometown boy, right? <laughs> How pumped are the crowds going to be for Phil playing down there? He's like, if, if he was a fan favourite at Kiwa, like just seeing the crowds, like, Swore me 18th. That was it. That was huge, <laughs> scary, and huge. Unbelievable. But him at Tory, like he he just needs to be okay with off the tee, and just let the rest of his game. He should have heaps of confidence. And if he's contending, oh, oh, Roscoe, what a, what a, what will I do? Yeah, 
Look, what will I do? Anything can happen. And it's his, it'll be his birthday. Yeah, what's 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 date is it? Is his his birthday is the sixteenth. You know, you know, you're a fan when you keep someone's birthday rocket. Well, it's one day after mine. No, all right, fair enough. Seventeenth, <laughs> so he turns fifty-one the day before. Oh, oh. So, uh, Brooks, you know, Brooks's form is was solid. He's still not at his best, clearly. How's that? He basically hasn't played for weeks. You know, probably gets to the course on crutches and then throws them away before he gets onto the first tee. And um, just for him to play the way he did, I think his putting was terrible. Like, honestly, I think he, he even admitted he, he really struggled on the greens. Um, there's certain shots that you start to just sort of um, be a bit inconsistent because I don't think he's quite figured out how to sort of light balls or it might be a bit hard when you've got a bit of a wonky knee, but finishing second, like, like mm. golf clap, like that's huge. That is huge. I, I, I reckon that Brooks, as long as he's playing golf, will always perform in a PGA. I reckon. Yeah, you know, it's, well, it's, I think it's most majors. Yeah. You know, he just needs to have, I don't know what it is. You know, I'd love, I'd love to see him just chalk another one up quickly so he can get that momentum back again because he's been since the one at um, what was the last one he won? I think that was at Bell Reef, the PGA at Bell Reef. Um, and then when he was going for, you know, he missed out in the Masters in 2019. He finished second when he was going for the three-peat. And he was finished fourth in the British, in the Open Championship. And then he's had another couple of other close calls, but you know, I just, you know, just needs another one. It's just grab another one under the belt and just keep just cementing that legacy, you know, just fit as well. Just put that knee right. All right. So talking about putting a you know, belt, I think there's a, a simple way to f- settle this fallout between these two boys. Brooks and Bryson. Brooks and Bryson. I think, I think. Which actually happened at the PGA Championship. I'll tell you what, the, the Golf Channel guy who's in the booth who released the footage, he has done, he's, he's done, he's done the world a great service because that was so viral and it was so funny. And it was just everything. It was everything that Bryson is in terms of just a fool. And it was everything that Brooks is and just as honest as, Honest as the day is is light. So, what actually happened there? Brooks is doing well, his post round, like he's just lost the PGA, and he's doing a post round interview with who's a no, 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 oh, no. Oh. It was no. A lot of people think it was like post round. It was actually as after the second round. Second round. Okay, my apologies. Yeah. So, so he, I think he was finishing late in the afternoon, in the second round, and he was talking about and he. And I remember that second round. He's really he was really ordinary on the greens. Like he was really struggling, and he talked about it. He, and like if you go back to the footage, he you know he says, "Oh, I don't know what the other guys have said." He said, "But I'm really struggling to read the greens." But you can hear in the background, oh Bryson chirping away, and then but then the other thing as well, he's walking on the cart path. Now, what people don't realise is that he's the only tool bag that actually wears metal spikes and not little metal spikes. 
He wears like big metal spikes in his shoes. Don't know why. Everyone else doesn't wear metal spikes, but he decides he has to because it's, it's him. Metal spikes, motor mouth, walking past Brooks, and he knows that Brooks doesn't like him. So it's like just a perfect opportunity for him to be Bryson. And then you hear him go past, and apparently he says, um, so Brooks was saying, I'm struggling on the greens. And Bryson, as he's when what he'd said to him as he's walking past, are they going off you start them online? And that's when Brooks is like rolled his eyes completely and the rest is history if the, the video on there. And then then that started that vi- that video when the video had come out, which was released, that's when then Brooks no no Brooks Bryson had like created some little photo where it's like a photo of himself like on Brooks's hat like as if he's living rent-free in Brooks's head. And then there's the announcement of the match and Aaron Rodgers is playing with Bryson, which is, I'm so sorry for Aaron Rodgers. NFL MVP doesn't deserve that. And Brooks has sent him a tweet. (laughs) I feel for you, bro. (laughs) They're just not letting up at each other and it's, 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 it's great. It's great it to great. watch. The, the, the tour should lean into this. Well, they really should lean into it. This, like any entertainment, you need a you need a you need a heel and a face. And I don't know which one is which. You know, you've got Bryson, who is the guy who thinks he's a scientist and just continues to prove that he's the dumbest smart guy going around. And then you've got Brooks, who is just a jock, and and he has an alter ego. You know, there's Brooks Kepka, who's the tour player that just sort of turns up and just does whatever. And then there's Bruce Kepka, the guy that wants to grab Bryson and stuff him in a locker. Mm. And now you're going towards where I think how it should be settled now. I'll qualify this. I'm not condoning violence. I'm not <laughs> say, I am not saying that they, these guys should box on for the sake of boxing on, like just getting in a scuffle. Absolutely not. But there are a number of examples in the sporting world where – you know, sporting identities have turned for the purposes of charity, for the purposes of some level of good, uh, and turned to the ring. I th- I think the boys should get in the ring for charity. You know, do something for charity, do some practice, get in the ring, box on, get a winner, shake hands, move on. Paul Gallon nah. style. Nah, let's just drag this one out. This is going to okay. be just this. Mm-hmm. Ongoing. This is going to be like a series. Could this be like, is like like days of our lives. Like it's just going to be dragged out and the, dragged out and could, dragged out. There could be a franchise like Rocky Rocky style, you know, for the next fifteen years. There could be Brooks and Bryson one, two, three, four, and five. Well, the thing that I love and an undercard. That, There's probably an undercard in, in there as well. <laughs> There's probably a few Sturgeon, undercards that you can get Sturgeon, on. Sturgeon versus Tiger, <laughs> whoever. Um, For charity, uh, mind you, and please, I do not condone violence. So um, the thing with uh, with these guys, I think I've nearly, I've nearly lost my train of thought as well because I'm giggling at just how insane it is, is that so Bryson, I think Bryson knows that he's not really liked by a lot of people and it's like he just tries really hard to be funny and all this sort of stuff and he's just not, right? He just... It's like he just has something missing and he doesn't quite understand what's going on around him. And then you got Brooks and Bryson just must annoy the living suitcase out of him. Um, 
but at the same time, he actually legitimately doesn't care. And and him being annoyed and retaliating to to Bryson doesn't mean that he cares or he's worried about what Bryson's thinking. He's just going, this is what I actually think of the person. And it's like, that's it. And he moves on. And uh, you you can go all the way back through this feud and where it started, which actually Bryson's the one that started it because it started with him on Twitch, which is the online sort of um, gaming um, uh, platform. And he said on there, which was captured publicly, um, he goes, oh, Brooks doesn't have any abs after he did that men's health thing just before the Masters. And then um, that's when Brooks has replied with, yeah, I'm too short of a six-pack and he had the four major trophies. And then it goes forward with um, slow play and then there's the whole, you know, confronted Ricky Elliott and said, oh, can you tell your boss I want to see him? And he goes, how about you guys talk to him yourself? And then Brooks has confronted him. And I reckon that was when Brooks um, Bryson was still skinny Bryson. And then uh, I reckon being confronted by Brooks, you know, probably turned him on to the shakes. Give him the shakes and then he's had the, started to have the shakes. Well, It's just gone on and on and on. This will just continue on. It will continue on and I love it. You it's love it. content. You love it. I, I like to see an end to all of these these bickerings. So I'm, I'm of the opposing view that, uh, you know, WWE style, get in the ring, you know, get dressed up, make it some fun. And, no, WWE uh, style. No, <laughs> if you do proper WWE, this is like storyline stuff. This stuff could go for six months. That's like right. it's, you just got to drag it out. You got to drag it out. The only way this is going to be settled is on a golf course, head to head in a major. <laughs> Put the ring in the golf course at the end of the. <laughs> It's not the Grand Prix, you know. They have the after race entertainment. Yeah, you have the after. Maybe I'm being silly. Sorry, this is a serious podcast. Sorry, sorry, uh, listeners. I've taken the so, tone down. No, this, did you just say it was a serious podcast? All this. Uh, it, it is yeah. when it is when I'm not in here. 120 episodes of interviewing the world's finest golf people, and uh, and here I'm and talking about me. here chari- ha- ha- talking about charity boxing matches and undercards. Um, jeepers. Okay, let's move on. Well, the one thing is that Bryson just continues to. Um, like he got the memorial this week. I think I tagged it on Instagram and he's going, Oh, you know, it's on the range and he goes, Oh, look at the hard work that's being done in here. And he goes, but look at this over here. And you can see where his foot marks have basically just torn up the grass and he's referred to it. He goes, he's called it a ground reaction forces at play. Like, no mate, it's not ground reaction forces. It's the fact that you're wearing really big metal spikes. You oaf. Like, this is terminal velocity all over again. Like he doesn't know how anything works. So he's seriously got big metal spikes. Like, yeah, yeah. Like you go back and listen to the video. You can hear him walking. Remember the old school like yeah, crunch of yeah. metal spikes? Yeah, he have, wears metal spikes. Have you ever actually seen them? Uh, no. Okay. But right. you can hear them, and okay. it's he talks about it. Yeah. Okay. So and everyone's like, why? They must be designing special special inserts for his spikes to go in because the the triple the triple lock or the pins lock you know most people have you know screwing soft spikes these days that's a it's a plastic thread and in some shoes the thread is sort of glued into the base and it's yeah you know it's strong enough for a soft spike but you know you put a hard spike in there and there's a fair bit of t- torsional and tension sort of going through that. I wonder if Puma have uh, developed some special Bryson shoes with a special thread. Interesting. I'll try and find. No, maybe, maybe he's going to claim that he's created his own shoe mold or something like that, and he's making it in his lab. 
Well, that's the other thing. You know, the, the, a lot of um, comfort around shoes these days uh, is born out of, you know, the, the spike being soft and then yeah. the, the um, you know, the sports shoe-like upper, you know, not protruding into the base of the shoe. So you've got rubber, soft rubber. Yeah, a bit of sponge because I yeah. remember my, you know, the mould foot joys, whether or not you had the the classics or the dry jaws and stuff like that, they still had a, a f- relatively hard base yeah, just could, to be able to have the spike in there. You could feel it under your feet. Anyway, yeah. we digress. Um, what were the best ever golf shoes that you ever owned, Rocket? What were your favourite pair of golf shoes? I was a massive fan of, I, I'm, I still am, the, the FootJoy classics. Mm. So for me it was like the ones that were all white mm. or the ones that had the, the black or the brown um, saddle saddle down the sides. Do you remember getting your first ever pair? Yeah. How old were I you? Looked, I looked after them so much. Like I, I would clean them all the time and make sure it was like resealing, making sure the leather was just soft, not cracking, so then no moisture was getting in. Like I spent some – I remember being 15, 16, 15 or 16, I remember getting them. I, I bought the best leather protection material known to man to look after those things like a little baby. Like they were, you know, you see them in the magazine, you see all the players wear them, and it's just they're just beautiful shoes, beautiful shoes. I may have told this story before, Rocket, but it's my podcast. So if, if I've told it once, twice, or three times, I learnt, I learnt the skill of telling the same story three times off my dad. Dad, if you're listening, yes, I'm doing it too. Um, but if I haven't, you're hearing it for the first time. I, you know, I have told you that I went to Palm Springs in 1987 for golf and uh, first ever experience with sort of golf architecture, played at uh, PGA West Stadium course, Pete Dye, obviously Kiwa was at Pete Dye course, wonderful course. We talked about that in the last um, The episode. almost holding one. There were two things that I bought uh, in the States as a young 15-year-old. One was a ping answer putter. Oh, Yes. One was a ping answer putter, and uh, which then led to a collection of ping putters from that era, which I have sitting beside me. The other was a pair of Foot Joy Classics, the full leather shoe, full leather sole, and I replaced the spikes with tungsten spikes, so they never wore down. And as you just described, I would religiously clean them with dubbin on. My dad taught me about dubbin and the 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 um benefits of dubbing on leather and all of that, you know, because he came from an era with, um, you know, where all leather shoes were a thing and, you know, coming out of modern sort of mod Scotland, uh, Edinburgh wearing pointy leather sold shoes and all that sort of stuff, he taught me about shoe cleaning. Um, so I looked after these things. And then when I left home in when I was 17, moved to Sydney, I left my golf gear behind because I had a motorbike. I couldn't afford a car. Uh, so I had a motorbike, much to my parents' disgust. And I used to trottle up and down the highway from um, Cessnock to Sydney on a motorbike. So my golf key got left behind. At the same time as my brothers took up golf. Of course, I lost my interest in golf, therefore left everything behind. You know what happened? I know the shoes. He got the sh- He took over the shoes. And then one day when I went back to get them, they were just this crumple leather. Oh, no, he didn't look yeah. after them. I would have still had them. I would have still had them. Uh, I clearly have never, ever forgotten it many, many 30-plus years later. And... Uh, he he's, he doesn't remember that story, but yeah, there you go. Foot joy class. We've got the same same taste in shoes, Rocket. If you're interested, oh, some of the old stuff, right? I I, I regret it. I, I wish I was a bit more of a collector of my stuff when I was younger because I kind of 
would love to have a little area. You know, I, I'm envious of Mr. Ferroni and, you know, what he's been collecting and some of those guys. It's just, yeah, you know, we'll call it nostalgic, but at the same time, it's just, it's just fun to either be wearing it, using it, playing it. It's just, it was a great time, great time for gear across if- if you've, if you've stuck with us this far on the podcast, thank you. Um, but if you have, uh, let us know. What what do you collect? What do you hold near and dear to you from your golfing past, which you've either given up and then retraced your steps and, and got back, like I did with the pink putter. The pink putter that I had originally got stolen, unfortunately, when I yes. took golf back up, and, and it got stolen in Melbourne from the top of a car park in Chapel Street, unfortunately, silly. I've, I've still got my ping answer two that I had, I've had since 1992. Yeah, I feel like. Well, I've got three ping answers now and a couple of other pings, but I replaced every ping that I've come across that meant something to me or someone around me, like my first ever golf coach, pin cushion, I've got that. Um, B60. You know, I couldn't afford a B60, so I got a, I got the the a copy B. You know, even back in the eighties, they did sort of clones yeah. of them. Uh, so I got a B. Anyway, I've got a stack of them. Um, but if you have uh, collected stuff, uh, let us know. You know what my most recent addition is to the collectible collection of my love of golf golf den here, which I sit in now. Rocket. No, what have you got? A set of full set one, three, and five wood persimmon block Hogan. And a two through to sand wedge. The apex ones? Yeah, radial. Hogan radial. So it's not the oh, pure. Oh, even before. It's not the pure blade blade, but it's it's a blade and it's got that radial sole. So it's like a bounce sole on the bottom. Oh, like I know a the little one. cambered sole. And I reckon they sit absolutely pure. I reckon they're gonna be magnificent off the cooch, you know, just a little bit of little bit of trailing relief. So it sets up for me perfectly. Two iron oh, through, two iron through the sandwich. Oh my goodness! Persimmon one, three, and five stiff shafts. That's just. Oh my god! So they sit alongside uh, the um, uh, McGregor VIP. You remember those McGregor VIPs? I had a set of those, and I some and someone in Victoria has my McGregor VIP tour hinds. <laughs> Someone have they not given back? Did they take them with No, no I sold them. Oh, right. I, so, I sold it ages ages ago. Again, I was not even in the collector mode. So the um, so they've got they McGregor VIP tours. It was two iron through to sandwich. Um, actually, that was they had. Um, I think I had X one hundred shafts in those bad boys. That was when I was a bit younger and a bit stronger. He's a big boy. Um, and I think I had them. They had the Mad Mac driver. Uh, I've only had the eight degree one. I kept caving the face in on the nine and a half. For some reason, that was a bit of a thing with him. I think the face was a bit thin. And then the bag, I had a McGregor tool bag. Now, what people don't know about that bag is um, that was actually one of the original ones from the Australian Institute of Sport team. And um, one of the guys who was one of the original um um, class going through, actually, I think he was the first for the AOS um, golf program, Paul Marshall, um, who I know um, pretty well from Tasmania. Uh, he actually gave me that bag. So it was an AOS bag. Well, unfortunately, the AOS logo wore off. I had one of those McGregor bags, which uh, I inherited. I inherited when I took over the shop and there was one there and it was a green bag in perfect condition. Used to sit out the back with random odds and sods of clubs in it. And I had seven, eight years ago, had zero value on that bag. As in, you know, I didn't really recognize 
what it meant. I should have. It was silly. And then one day I employed a golf pro and he came and says, can I have that bag? I said, no, no, it belongs to the shop. And then one day I had to do a job. I can't remember what it was. And he said, I'll do that job, but I'll have that bag. I'll trade you for that bag. I said, yeah, yeah no worries. That's fine. Fair, fair swap. And just the excitement that was on his face when I said yes. You're like, oh, immediate, no. Immediately told me that I've made the wrong decision. And now all I see is him posting whenever he's playing golf with his, uh, what are those buggies? The um, very popular in Victoria, not so popular in New South Wales where I grew up, John Jay. He's got his John Jay buggy and his McGregor bag, which came from, you know, my I don't store. even know what a John Jay buggy is. Uh, the chrome chrome buggy with the seat and the wire, the, the seat part of it was wire, like a welded wire and that had yeah. spoked wheels. We didn't have the we didn't have the welded wire things up in New South Wales so prevalent. But John Jay if you've got a John Jay buggy, you've got a collectible there, a good one. Mike Ferroni will probably oh, give I, you I've, Well, you've seen mine. I've still got the same buggy I had the very first golf buggy I ever got. The Pilgrim still got it. That's the only the, thing I've changed pilgrim. is the handle. The Pilgrim. Yeah. Yeah. The Pilgrims were more popular in New South Wales, but the John Jay were an all steel, all chrome all steel with wire spoke wheels, inflatable tyres, not the not the uh, sort of hard tyres, inflatable yeah, so tyres. Yeah, I used to have the inflatables and then um, old Par Rocket did a uh, – so you know how clubs changed it so they wanted you to have the hard ones. Mm. He uh, retro, he took a couple of old wheels and retrofitted a couple of the, oh. <laughs> these ones so it would fit onto, the, fit onto the buggy for me when I was sort of started playing over here again. And then the other thing I've done with that buggy is because I was really particular about how it looked. And so the old Pilgrim buddies, they made the bag sit up a little bit high and I liked it to sort of sit a bit of like a low rider. So I actually went to my pop shed, got a grinder out and I where, where it folds over in the grooves, I've ground it out in a couple of spots. So it actually then sat down a little bit lower and then I did some things on the handle. So now like it's just had this perfect look, sort of sealed it back up so it wouldn't rust. Rocket, how, how old is that buggy? Uh, I got it in 89. Right. Let me tell you. You need to get out there. You know, we're in a fourth lockdown here. Golf shops, golf courses are being closed. You need to get out there and support the golf industry in Victoria and buy a new buggy. No. No, oh, jeez. No. Just buy a new I, buggy. I'm either, I'm either carry bag or I'm, the only thing I'm going to get is another Maybe another. I need to get a new staff bag. I know I need to get a new staff bag. Okay. So I need to get like maybe one of those eight and a half inch ones or something like that that'll go on my bad boy. Uh, people listening, if you are in Victoria, and many of the listeners are in Victoria, as I said, fourth lockdown, get out there and support your local uh, golf shop, uh, big retail outlet or not. You know, they're all ones that I know, owner operated. So. I think people get confused sometimes that they think these golf shops that like the ones that I have working um, are all a part of a big corporation. No, they're employing oh. golfers casually, mostly Fran- many of them. Franchisee, many just normal small business, doing it hard like everyone else. Yeah, so they're all owner-operated and uh, you know, employing you know, just people who want to be in the golf industry and serve the golf industry, usually at retail retail wage levels and you know, having fun just enjoying their, their pathway. Um, or... You know, your local pro, if you shop with your local pro, he's been closed, their golf courses have been closed and their businesses have been closed. Get out there and support them. Whether that's buying some balls, buying some tees, buying a club, putter, whatever it is, go in and buy it there. Leave the online. Take a mate down that's just wanting to sort of get into golf. Just take him down and get him fitted. Leave the golf online stuff, you know, the overseas stuff. Leave that behind for a little bit. 
and and just go out and get something off your off your local golf business because they've been shut for the fourth time now, and uh, you know they um, they need a little bit of love. Put it that way. Anyway, uh, that's my public service announcement. We've digressed <laughs> and we've given a history lesson. And we've talked about Phil, Phil Love. We've given a bit of a history lesson. I don't know how we got there. That was definitely not on the run sheet. Um, and we've put a plea out for uh, people to go and you know spend some money at their golf shops. So what else? What's what's next? It's International Women's Golf Day today, Rocket. Is it? Uh, yeah, first of Jan- first of June every year is International Women's Golf Day. So a shout out oh. to all of the women around the golf world who ply their trade as professionals, who make up the wonderful landscape of clubland, the new women golfers into the game, which there are many of at the moment, and I've met many of them, and whether they're just buying seven irons or half sets or full sets, they are loving the game, playing with their partners, playing with their friends, getting group lessons. Uh, So shout out to all the women. Shout out to the ladies at... um, Albert Park Women's Golf Club, I supported an event for Kate Nolan, the Kate Nolan uh, Foundation, I think it's called, but Kate Nolan was a PGA golf pro who unfortunately in 2019 passed away in a skiing accident after, as a result of injuries sustained in a skiing accident and so on and so forth. They had a wonderful um, day down there at Albert Park, which I, amongst many others, supported. Um, Met Gavin Kirkman, the chairman and uh, the CEO of the PGA, sat next to him at lunchtime. That was great. He was a lovely man. But um, great group of women down there at Albert Park Women's Golf Club doing wonderful things. They donated and raised a whole load of money for South Melbourne um, Surf Lifesaving Club, which Kate was very passionate about. And if you've – the reason why, you know, I was so – and I didn't really know Kate. I met her once. Um, she came in to supervise me fitting one of her – clients who was also a friend of mine for some golf clubs and that's how dedicated she was to her clients you know she would come in in my business none of her business but my business to supervise and make sure that she was doing and getting the right uh, equipment for her Um, but what I do know is Kate was a loved and respected PGA pro and most of the women that I've met over the journey had some interaction with Kate you know through her lessons and introductory clinics and everything that she did for women's golf down at Albert Park. So her legacy is is that, you know, she's introduced a whole load of women into the game and, you know, she supports South Melbourne um, Surf Life Saving Club, which was very important to her and her children and her family and Bernie, her husband, who I met, wonderful man. So, um, yeah, I, I guess remembering Kate and that day, which was only just the other week there and uh, on International Women's Golf Day, which is, you know, Welcome to all the new women golfers and all the women playing golf around the world. Enjoy golf. Now, it's coming up to the US Women's Open. Is that correct, yes, Rocket? That is correct. At one, of the, at one of your favourite all-time golf courses on the planet. Oh, my God. The well, Olympic Club in San Francisco, the yeah. Lake Course. Like, this place is steeped in history. Um, I, I got the pleasure of playing it, which is, and it feels like wasn't that long ago, but it was seven years ago. I've still got the scorecard. I, I raided the shop. Oh, so much merch, hats, shirts, jumpers, tees, markers. Um, I probably should have bought more stuff. Anyone that sees one of the little backgrounds that I use for some of my stuff, it's like the bottom end of my carry bag and it's like the um, Olympic Club coffee cup with a logo on it. Um yeah, that, that, oh, I'll never forget that day because um, 
and I'll talk about the course and the, the everyone. If everyone doesn't understand the history, it's been um, well visited from a, um, a major events. So U.S. Opens have been played there. Um, the, the first of the more famous ones, which was '55 um, U.S. Open, which ended up being, oh, I think, from memory, it was a playoff between Ben Hogan and Jack Fleck. Ben Hogan, obviously, being an outright favourite to, to win that and didn't win. It was Jack Fleck that won. Then you had, um, I think it was 60, I can't remember the year now, 66, where Arnold Palmer had like a three-shot lead with two holes to play and finished double bogey par before in a playoff with Billy Casper. It's Billy Casper, Arnold Palmer, and oh, someone else. Three-way playoff, which Billy Casper ended up winning. And then... I don't think it was played there again until 87, which was uh, won by Scott Simpson. And then you had it played there again in 98, which was won by Lee Jansen over Payne Stewart. And that was another, you know, there was another collapse there. Each of them, there's a, there's a collapse in some way. And then 2012 was um, Webb Simpson. I think it's hosted plenty of other events, um, but it's just that San Francisco, so it's one of my favourite cities in the, on the planet. You can see the skyline. Um, you, know, you can see out to the out to the ocean. Uh, it, it's it's obviously not one of the architectural gems, but it's still ranked in the top thirty in the US. Um, and then so it's just steeped in history because it's part of the Olympic Club, so the men's club in there. So it's been around part of that club for. So I think that was founded in like the late eighteen hundreds, and. You know, had had the pleasure of being hosted there by so a friend of mine. Um, he's good friends with a member there, and so we played with him and his son. And it was just one of the most enjoyable days I've ever had in my golfing life. And the thing that I did was when I was playing. You know, the guy that we're playing with is as a member. He was I think he played off five or six, so he's a decent player. And every hole, I would just say, okay, what do I have to do here? And I just listened to everything he said. And uh, I actually just tried to plot my way around and uh, we'll call it cut a long story short. I bogeyed 18 to shoot 70 and um, I played some really good golf that day. <laughs> like really good. Uh, and it's a hard course. It's actually really hard because um, it's the perfect combination of everything's opposite. You know, it will, people have to watch this and how the women play. This is going to be amazing because you've got, it's not a massively long course. The greens are not big. They're not overly, um, it's not a lot of slope in them. There's a lot, it's very subtle. Some that do have a little bit of extreme pieces. Um, they're bent grass greens. I don't know. Always more in the fairways and stuff like that. But the course is, if it's a right to left hole, the fairway slopes left to right. If it's a left to right hole, the fairway slopes right to left. It's so it, to keep it in the fairway, you actually have to shape it because the hole goes the complete opposite direction to the camber of the fairways. Like, and nothing exemplifies that more than I think it's the fourth hole. And um, if anyone wants to look at Tiger Woods stinging with the seven iron, that's that's actually the hole. So it's par four, sharp dog leg left. It's downhill, fairway slopes very hard um, uh, left to right. So it's ex actually one of the more extreme cambers. And then 
you know, the best angle to the hole to the hole is actually from the left hand side. Or if you're trying to stay at least in the fairway, you actually have to hit it in the left hand side. Um, because if you hit it in the middle of the fairway, you bounce into the rough, and then you got a then uh, a shot straight up the hill to this quite um, flat sort of green. But that's the course, so you just have to actually plot your way around. And the rough is actually, even though it wasn't very long there, it was still quite it's quite gnarly. Um, so it's going to be fantastic to see how the women play it because you know they don't hit it long, but there's going to be some good ball strikers in there. Any thoughts on who you might see at the front? It's a hard, too hard to pick because the, all the women are so good. There's so many up there that can contend at the top end. Look, oh, I think the quarters will contend mm. as they are, they do in most majors because they're, they're just good golfers. They're just not great putters. They're really good ball strikers. They're just not great putters. That's their, that's their weakness. Um, the one who I'd really love to see up there, and I think this is just a continuation of 2021 in terms of the um, – the resurgence, we'll call it the year of the resurgence, is um, you know Lydia Ko um, contending again in a major, and this would be the top, of course, would be right up her alley, I reckon, because it's going to need a bit of, I think, a little bit more ball striking required for this one than than most other courses. Okay, well, it sounds like uh, uh, I've ended the week easy. Yeah. So, looking forward to that. Will you watch a bit of that rocket? Oh, absolutely. The only other, obviously, there's the Memorial Tournament on. So, I don't know. I might have a look because see what Jack did to the course, how much he ruined his own course again. Because um, for anyone remembers the last year, as they were still playing like the last six holes, he had a crew going out there basically tearing up all the greens and fairways and stuff. It was a full renovation that was taking place as soon as the course was finished. So, it'd be interesting to see what it looks like. But the women's one being played at um, the Olympic Club, like it's, and the history, like oh, I can't talk enough about the history and just being able to, um, I've got so many photos and just walk around like the, the, the shot that everyone sees the photos of 18, like even just standing in the fairway and then thinking about, like I was trying to get into the spot where um, like Graham McDowell was hitting his wedge shot from in, into 18 from that right-hand rough. And it's just standing there going, it's actually a, Wow, it's a really hard shot. It's only like 110, it's only like 100 metres. And it's like, oh my God, this is actually a really, really hard shot. And, but just, you just think about, you're looking up, you down in this valley, you're looking up the hill to a green that's about this wide. Like it's not very wide at all. Bunkers everywhere. And then you've got this natural amphitheatre and this, this classic clubhouse sitting perched up on top of the hill. Like, I just stood there. I stood in the fairway for a good five minutes and just sort of just looked up that fairway, up that hill and just went, wow. I just think about, you know, you're walking, walking in the footsteps of where Ben Hogan's walked before or Tom Watson, you know, Arnold Palmer. It's just oh, so good. It's, it's always a special time when you get to apply a course where you know that the uh, likes of those guys and the greats of the game have, have trodden before it's uh means a little bit extra the connection between the body and the feet and the ground uh, is always a very special time let's give a little shout out to all the aussies and the kiwis that are playing in the u.s women's open this weekend so sarah jane smith has got to start very good uh who else we got we've got a young uh, new zealand lady amelia garvey uh shout out to minji lee hannah green of course she's playing well 
Um, yeah, she has been too. A name that I'm not as familiar with, and I apologise to Emily Maha. She's an amateur that's in the field. Uh, Sarah Kemp is in the field, of course. Uh, Lydia Ko from New Zealand. Yes, of course. We've just mentioned Lydia. And I think that's about it. That's about it for the Aussie representation over there and, and the Kiwi representation. Yeah, cool. it's pretty good. Good luck to all those girls. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's okay. Good. So we missed an event, uh, the Charles Schwab. Jason Kokrak. Yeah. He's a funny guy. Yeah. Yeah? Not yeah. He- not hearing the love for the Kokrak? Ah, he's all right. He's all right. Jordan played badly and he lost. Yeah. Got to say, Jordan, it's good form. You look at his form for the last three, four months. It's getting there. He's, he's chalking up a lot of top tens. Is he getting set for the uh, US Open? Is he a Tory Pines uh, oh, contender? No. no, it's not his no. Not his joint. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a missed cut if I've ever seen one. Okay, that, that course is going to eat him alive. So the difference, I guess, between you know when you talk about the PGA and then you talk about the Charles Schwab, um, you wouldn't say that it's really much a ball strikers place, yeah? Where well, colonial. Well, I think colonial is because it's shorter. Yeah. But you know, and Jason Kokrak is more of a longer. He's he's leading. The, I think he's up in the top part of the tour for driving distance and he's a decent putter. He's not the best ball striker, but from a leader leaderboard perspective, if you look at the leaderboard, you know, there's some good good hitters of the ball at Colonial because it's it's not long, it's narrow. Mm-hmm. Um so you need to sort of get your get your ball around because you think last year it was um who was it? Uh, it was um uh, Daniel Berger won last year and where um Colin had uh, missed that tiddler on 17 and ended up losing by shot. You know, so there's a couple of guys that know how to get, get their ball around but with the irons. Another favourite of the podcast that did pretty well finishing T3 last week, Pools. Yeah. Ian, that's good. No, he's, he's getting there. He's, 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 um, getting some, he's, he's building up. He, he performed okay. He's been performing okay for the last month or so. Um. Absolutely. You know, do you know what? He's the sort of person that I just love to be seeing contending in a major again um, or even just winning another tour event. You know, I love Ian Poulter. He's just, he's just a good content guy. He's funny. Well, he sits firmly on the side of the ledger approaching 50, not further away from 50. And as we've always talked about, uh, he's a favourite of ours, favourite of mine, um, content or otherwise, but uh, he's good for the game. He's a great ambassador for golf in the UK. Um, he's loved and, you know, he's another one that's proving that, you know, age really isn't a barrier to playing good golf. Uh, what else we got? What else we got? Who else we got here? Danny Berger. Danny Berger was there. Yeah, okay. Um, Danny Lee was there. Yeah, not much else to report in terms of uh, results there. No. That, uh, but Spieth and Kokrak, um, Jason Kokrak. Who's his mate? Is it pa- is he, he and Perez are mates and they do, they do a bit of stuff together, don't they? In so, both uh, Kokrak and uh, is it Perez, Pat Perez? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Pat Perez is an interesting cat. MGM Grand sponsored. They play at uh, that course where you played Shadow Creek. I think they play a bit of golf out there. Anyway, moving on. What have what we got this week? The Memorial. Yeah, the Memorial. Jack's Jack's house. Um, any Anything to report there? Anything you're expecting there? I can't see a field here. No. Rocket? No. Okay. 
skip past that. Then we've got the Palmetto Champs. I don't know much about the Palmetto, Palmetto Champs, but then on July, June 17 and to 20, we've got the US Open at Torrey Pines. So we might catch up between now and then. And yeah, that could be a, another Magic Mike episode. We're going to bring... Uh, I, need, I, need to, I need to lift. I'm... I'm, I'm um, I'm, I've caught a, I've caught a cold hand. I've caught a cold hand. <laughs> I think, I think Mike got a bit of a cold hand too. He didn't. He, he, he bounced back from with uh, answer in the last round, and I think he got some coverage out of that. I don't know, but uh, I have to think of a name for. It. We've had Magic Magic Mike's Masters Market. We've had uh, Mike's PGA Picks. I can't think of something off the top of my head for US Open, the US Open Oracle. Is it, can we call him the US Open Oracle? Oh, the, maybe it's the Tory turnaround. The Tory turnaround. Very good. <laughs> well, Rocket, I think uh, unless there's any other matters of business that one we need. One more thing. Oh, one more thing, yes. I'll tell you what. What? Udos has to go out to Sergio's advisors. i tell you what. They're lifting their game. They are lifting their game. JT, I remember I, tell you, I told you, JT... Must have Sergio's advisors on retainer. You know, when we had that incident earlier in the year and he copped the little ban, which wasn't talked about as a ban. And I reckon the PIP, the PIP plus the Sergio's Sergio's advisors on retainer, they're lifting their game. We're going to, do you know what we're going to call it for the rest of the year? JT's justification tour. He has lifted the game. Like, so the, the young fella that um, uh, is toiling away on tour and everyone's seen the video of him sort of, you know, doing the Monday qualifier to make it into his sort of first PGA Tour event, there just happens to be some cameras around when JT uh, drops into his sort of DMs and uh, hands him, cuts him a, a personal check to help fund his continuation of um, trying to toil away on the tour. Yeah, any, any it's, reports it's on It's a good that? heartfelt story, right? I, I, I love I love a tug of the heartstrings, mm. but the thing is, though, when it doesn't feel like it's really genuine yeah. and there's a little bit of um, um, look at me, mm. and, and you know what? I reckon whoever is his math man, he must have a math man in the back end because he's worked out the pip and he's like, right, now if I invest a certain amount of money, that will drive content. So let's say cut him a check for 50 grand. That might get him enough wheel spins on the social media impressions. He might go from like a $1 million check to a $4 million check. So that's yeah. a $50 investment. That's a great return on investment. The it's- justification tour has become a money spinner. Sergio's advisors are top notch, top notch. Anyone out there with any sort of, uh, um, uh, issues with their credibility on tour uh, and they've done something wrong, just ring up Sergio's advisors. They are available for a retainer. Yes. Now, in seriousness, do, do you think that – and this is this was always my, I guess, concern. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but, yeah, scepticism. Let's say scepticism. I'll just be blunt about it. Scepticism around this PIP player. What's a player – Player Incentive Platform, platform Program, yeah, program. Or something. So for those of you that re- will, will remember or haven't heard, it's basically they've got a ranking, the top 10, there's 40 million, uh, and it's based on 
media presence, profile, likes, shares, subscribes, all of that sort world of rankings, world FedEx rankings, cup FedEx points, cup points, blah, 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 blah. So it's performance of golf, performance of, you know, the eyeballs on, on that they draw to the game of golf. And it was met with a fair degree of scepticism, but there were some supporters of that concept, you know, that it could be good for the game to get more eyeballs on and, you know, it's a way of growing the game and so on and so forth. But, you know, like you've just articulated there, Rocket, you know, maybe there's some sceptics around it. And for me, I had to go off to um, JT, who does have a bit of ground to make up. You know, he, he didn't do the right thing and he lost a, a lot of ground because um, he didn't do the, the right thing, you know, by using inappropriate language, you know, playing golf and there's not only that he's got he's got a checkered history of yeah like just doing stuff that you just go you're a whiny little man so he had he's got form we didn't like what he did you know using bad language you know not bad language but inappropriate in offensive uh terms and language you know you, you know all about that um i don't i didn't support it we didn't maybe talk about denounce it enough back at the time but i certainly you know am now um but to come out and to you know do that in front of the cameras and almost in a stage way and give the young fella, um, he didn't even hand him a check. He just said, "I'm going to give you some money and I'll, I'll I'll get my people to send it to you," type thing. Um, a very nice gesture. But it's in front of cameras. Like, oh, it, look, I get it. Yeah. But the thing is, though, what would mean more to me is if he he's done that like a month ago. Yeah. And no one knew about it. Yeah. If the only way that we found that's out about hard, it... That's heartfelt. Yeah. If there was another way that we found out about it other than the way that we all viewed it and he's, you know, the young fella's dad giving him a hug and all that sort of thing, which which is what you'd want to do. But just it's just so contrived. But anyway, good on you, JT, for doing that. But, you know, this I'll, is... I'll put it in the context of what JT did, right? And it's not quite the same, but this is the... This is the... I'll contrast it with someone else who you know, probably can ham it up a little bit, but at the same time, you know, he's got a heart of gold. And there's an article I read recently on this, John Daly, when he won his 91 PGA and there was the the guy who was there on one particular day and they had the um, uh, lightning storm and he, he actually got hit by lightning and died on the course and he had two young kids and John Daly cut a check for like 30 grand, put it in a fund with his his people we'll call it, he, he he reached out to to the wife or you know brother of the wife of the you know dearly departed and um, just said I've got this money you know whatever you think is right for putting in a college fund or whatever it is and that was a gesture just that he, no one talked about it he never talked about it and it wasn't until after the event when everyone goes, oh, this is what happened. So he's a guy that's like toiling away, like scraping the barrel on tour, wins the wins a major, and the first thing he does is, I need to cut a check for this lady who's got two kids that she's got to try and raise, and he put him through that money, put them through college. Mm. My my sense is that the PGA Tour players are very generous people. Oh, heaps of them are. Yeah. But the thing is, though, it's how you know. How, how do you how do you go about this sort of stuff, yeah. right? If you know, I've seen the video a, a couple of times now, and I'm like, I appreciate what he's doing, and and I I love what he's doing, but like, 
well, how you go about it is actually also really important. Yeah. Like it's because it's a, well, it's you know, a your sh- actions actions speak louder than your words, and yeah. your actions should be I'm I'm here to support you, mate. And you you kind of you know he's just latched onto some social media stuff. It's like it's I don't know. It's a shame when it's met with some scepticism, put it that way. And, you know, to think, to be sitting here questioning it that, you know, these guys are making decisions, you know, spending X with the potential to, you know, earn Y, you know, it's sort of like, you know, these guys that, you know, will take a, a fine for slow play because they know that in the big scheme of it, they budget for it and stuff like that. So it's a shame that we're talking about it with some degree of scepticism in relation to JT. But anyway... That's our takes rocket. That's how we see it, and that's why how you call hey, it. Hey, we just call it as we just call it how we see it. That's uh, that's your job here, Rocket, and that's why you, that's why we've talked for an hour and nine minutes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just we just we, listeners haven't heard us for a couple of weeks, so we're just doubling down on the content. We're just filling their ears with joy. Well, Matt Mollica might listen if he's got this far. He'll let us know if he has. Um, there's probably oh, I know he will. Several other people that uh, may listen. Uh, if you are one of those, thank you. Send me send me your email address and I'll uh, email. I'll send oh, you. I know how he feels about young JT. I'll send I'll send you out some mile of golf stickers. There you go. I've got some. I've got some. <laughs> I've, got some I've got some sitting there behind me. Rocket, as always, it's been great. Oh, it's been great to be back. We'll see you in a week or so. Yeah, probably. I've looked at my calendar for the next couple of weeks. Staying, and especially right. with the lockdown, right? I'm just, you know, we're we're planning to sort of obviously get away and then get on the road. So I'll be doing a bit of work and pleasure at the same time. So fingers crossed, everything goes all right in the next week or so. All right, mate. We'll see you then. Thank you.